Hello and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. Hi folks, Simon Hazeldean, Graham Jones and Phil Jessen here for another session for the saleschatshow.com and in this session we are going to look at high impact introductions, how you make a powerful and positive first impression. I'm sure everybody listening will have seen all the various bits of research and commentary online and in books on how quickly people form those first impressions. I've I've been told it's within seven seconds and after 90 seconds, 90% of the person's mind has been has been made up. Whatever the data is specifically, we do know it's very, very important. And in today's world, often their first interaction with you won't be with you directly. It'll be with your company website or your own personal website if you're a, if you're a sole trader. So luckily for you, we have our internet <laughs> psychologist expert, Graham Jones, here. Graham, what's the research show about first impressions from websites, first of all? But you know, Simon, as a neuromarketing expert, neuroselling expert, that there are various bits of your brain that fire up when you're making a decision whether or not to buy or connect or so on. And we know which bits of the brain are making that decision-making process. So what we can do is we can stick people into those various scanners, those EEG machines that sit on their head, all those little leads coming off their head, and you can see which part of their brain fires up when they're looking at a website and when they're making a decision whether or not to buy something from that website. And the research that's done that shows us that the decision-making part of their brain that's making, you know, we know it's making a decision. We don't know what decision it's making, obviously, but we know it's making a decision. The decision part of their brain is making the decision whether or not to buy something, whether on an e-commerce website, in 0.56 of a second. 560 milliseconds is when the decision-making process is triggered in their brain. Okay. We're not actually consciously aware of anything until about three quarters of a second. So what it's really telling us is that people are making the decision whether to buy, whether to not buy, before they're even consciously aware of what's on the web page in front of them. What is it that is being triggered in the brain then in that fraction of a second? That fraction of a second is a communication between the front left prefrontal cortex above the left part of your Simon will know more about this than me but it's above the the left eye and then triggering into the limbic system that emotional part of your brain where it's the connection between those two this Mm. part of your Mm. decision making system and so that's triggered at 0.56 of a second so we know the decision making process is happening at that point what it tells us is that you have got to be able to really... That introduction, that impact has got to be made before people are consciously aware of it. And we see this face-to-face as well. If we were able to, in face-to-face situations, stick people in a scanner or put an EEG machine on their head, I'm sure we'd see similar kinds of subconscious decision-making happening before the conscious decision. So the conscious decision in those seven seconds that you're talking about is probably people justifying the decision their brain has already made. Because when I I speak on, um, uh, sort of based on my book NeuroCell, when I was doing the research for that, and when I speak to audiences, 
piece of data <clears throat> backed up by a number of neuroscientists that 95% of decision making, 95% of human cognition occurs at the instinctive and emotional level yep. and often precedes the more rational Quiet. thinking. 95%. And, and when you meet a stranger for the first time, the theory is that the, the reptilian system and the limbic system in the brain, the more uh, primitive parts, go into a minor form of threat response. Yep. They're more uncomfortable, or should we say on guard, when they meet. It's like you meet a stranger, yeah. slightly uncomfortable feeling. And what we definitely know is uncomfortable brains don't buy. Yeah. Whether it's uncomfortable brain online or an uncomfortable brain face-to-face. So we have to get that part of the brain to calm down, to feel comfortable, to be more, to be more receptive. So what specifically do some of the very best websites do in this, well, in this area? The one thing they do is understand their customer intently and I think one of the things that business has got away with until the arrival of the internet is that they didn't really have to understand their customers very much because they thought they understood their customers and many businesses still think they do understand their customers the research tells us they don't they even big brands don't understand their customers one classic study a couple of years ago showed that when they asked a big brands the world's top 100 brands were asked to say you know why did why do your customers buy these products from you? And so their internal teams were able to say all the reasons why they bought those products. What the researchers didn't tell those brands is that they were also interviewing their customers to ask them why they bought those products. There was a 95% mismatch between the two bits of data. Mm. So what that's telling us is that the reason people buy something is completely different to the reasons that companies think they buy it. Yeah. Now. In the past, they didn't. that didn't matter because if you've got a relationship with the customer, why they buy from you is actually really irrelevant because the competitor can't get in. Whereas now, of course, with the internet, the competitor can get in easily. The problem is that you know, you've got competing websites, uh, so which one is going to gain? The one that's going to gain is the one that understands the customer. So because we've had a history of not having to understand our customers very deeply... We think that when we go online, we can still get away with it. Actually, we can't because we've got to deliver precisely what they want subconsciously in half a second or less. So Mm. the biggest thing that you need to do these days is to understand your customer in total detail. I've got a, a matrix that I give to my clients, taking them through things, and I ask them questions like, does your customer have the full Sky package or do they prefer watching terrestrial TV? And they think, what on earth has that got to do with understand? But I'm asking them to you know, find me the personality. I'm asking yeah. for you know in-depth information that they say they don't know about their customers. And I say, well, there's only 30 things on this list that I've got. You're really telling me you don't understand your customers. If you can't answer those questions, you don't understand your and customers. And so your consultancy then leads on to how they should make that website <clears throat> look and interact with that customer once we've understood that particular customer then you can deal with how you produce the website to interact with them subconsciously but of course many businesses will have many different kinds of customers which means you may need many different kinds of website experiences for those Mm -hmm. different categories of customers in the real world of course what salespeople do is they do this naturally so they have a conversation and they adapt what they're delivering according to the personality type they detect you know subconsciously whether this is an extrovert introvert mm. all those kind of things and they then change what they deliver according to the person they're sitting in front of you don't have that opportunity online yeah. so you have to have multiple experiences to fit those multiple situations you would have in the real world so give me a couple of examples of, of, of uh 
techniques, how that's applied? For instance, if you had um, a person who is a uh, somebody who is a physical person, a, mm-hmm. a kinesthetic kind yeah. of thinker, they don't want to read lots of stuff online. They want to be able to print it out. So what they want to see is a short amount of information online and a nice big PDF button, print this out, so they can print something out and hold it in their hand. They don't want to read lots of stuff, but then you've got other people who are not kinesthetic, who are visual kind of people, who just want to see, you know, the the imagery. They Mm. don't want to have anything to print out, they don't want to feel anything. So if you've got both those kind of customers, you're going to need two different kind of websites to meet those different kind of customers. You can decide, we're only going to deal with the visual customers online, we're going to ignore all the other customers, that's fine, you can make that decision as a business, Mm. but you've got to have thought about that decision, and the problem is most businesses try and deliver all things to all people, and that means in 0.56 of a second you haven't made a high impact introduction online at all, what you've made is a, I don't know what this is, I don't know who it's for, is it for me, I don't know think about it for three seconds, disappear, back to Google to try and find something that matches you. Okay, interesting. I think uh, the, the theme here is probably going to be that you know we need different types of websites for different types of introductions, and if you think about face-to-face with the customer or the prospect, a different type of high-impact start mm. tailored yeah, to that individual. Absolutely. For example, if the salesperson knows that the customer is very achievement orientated yep. they will start the call with well these are the three things I'm hoping to achieve over the next 30 minutes if they know that the customer is very sociable friendly likes a bit of tea and biscuits before we get yeah, going yeah. then of course that salesperson is going to sit there and build that yeah. rapport over a tea and biscuit for 15 minutes before getting anywhere near the business well, this, is, this is what I call being a sales chameleon and is yes. also known as adaptive selling, which has been yep. a fair degree of research done, done into, which is around adapting your sales approach to suit the industry of the customer, um, the marketplace you're in, the state of the buying process, but also perhaps most importantly, the personality preference yep. and style yep. of the customer. It's not about being artificial and pretending to be something you're not. It's exactly to Phil's point. Some people will want to have a chat and get to know you before they talk about business. That's a certain particular kind of more relationship-orientated personality style. Other people, straight down to business, get things done kind of personality style. Others, very, very high attention to detail, want lots and lots of information. They're probably your... PDF yeah. printer out yes. mm. you know sending them information in advance of the meeting for them to have a look at is very yeah. useful to those mm. and then you've got sort of the, the sort of more outgoing innovative short attention span kind of customer they respond a lot to enthusiasm and an excitement yeah. so there definitely is this thing around but it also comes back to Phil's point of actually knowing your customer well enough in advance so yeah. prior research is really important in ensuring that your introduction has high impact and so there there are going to be people who have a job title on their business card which is going to create the wrong impact for the person the personality type of the person you're meeting so I would never call myself you know a job title when I go to someone I would try and think just because it says that on my you know in my you know my work record you know in the database Mm. of work as to what my job title of work is that's internal but external surely you could describe yourself in different ways according to the person in front of you Mm. rather than saying you know my job title is you know uh, salesperson responsible for the uh, southwest region brackets technical close brackets yes which 
you know, it might be important to some personality types, but certainly not to others. So you need to know what kind of person you're dealing with to even work out what your job description is, what well, your job always, title is. Always counsel salespeople um, to not introduce yourself with your job yeah. title because that's normally an internal title, business development manager, Quite. sales representative, yeah. which is actually very you-orientated and not customer-oriented. Yeah, I would tend to introduce myself as, you know, I'm Simon Azum. I am responsible for the commercial relationship. Yep. Or should we do business, I will be responsible for. So using the word responsible helps to kind of pump up your gravitas, yeah. particularly if with senior leaders, yeah. senior executives who want to deal with people who can make things happen. Um, and, and then, yeah, maybe you have to have a conversation internally. Like if you need to call yourself vice president and you're actually just the first level salesperson, but that's very important to the type of customers you're selling to, then as a pragmatist, I don't care what it says on your business card. Mm. You know, and I, you know, it's, it's, I don't think the business card is as important as how you personally Precisely. come across. Those early seconds, the brain is very, very on edge, is taking in a whole ton of information and those first impressions form a filter through which some information gets to some information does. I'm just thinking of some of the joint visits I've done with mm. salespeople over the years and just trying to uh, remember the ones where I can remember the high-impact intro on their part. And with one character, I can remember that he went for the approach that was just very different, I suspect, from what the customer was expecting. And he simply said, my name's Terry Williams, I'm from ABC Company. That's enough about me, let's talk about you. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. And the, the, the call inside five seconds moved very, very quickly into the customer. Yeah. And later on, of course, he did indeed come back to his staff. Uh, and I thought that's an interesting and very different compared to the customer's expectation way yes, yeah. of starting it. I think the most amusing intro I ever heard was a, a guy from an Asian background who I went on a joint visit with in Birmingham. Um, and his opening line, believe it or not, was to say to prospects on a first visit, uh, you've probably had the cowboys in, now it's time for the Indians. And um, on every single call that I did with him that day, probably numbering eight or nine, rather like you've just done, everybody laughed. Yeah. So, under that general heading of high impact, maybe appropriate humour, and I, th yeah. I think in fairness to him, it was appropriate humour. I'm sure he wouldn't have done that on every single call, every single day, but he knew how to create some laughter, the icebreaker, and blah, 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 and he went for that approach to create a it's, high impact. It's certainly, it's certainly a difference. Um, I think uh, the other thing about the online world and introductions, there's two sides to this. One is they're probably going to have a look at you before you turn up now. Yep. At the minimum, they're probably going to look at your LinkedIn Quite. profile. Please have an up-to-date current um, photo that looks good because uh, this is a theory of mine. I don't, have the, I don't have the facts to back this up, but when the brain meets a stranger for the first time, it's, <clears throat> it's in a sort of a minor form of threat response. If they've seen your photo and they now know what you look like, I think the brain is, do I recognise someone in the foyer who looks like the person whose picture I've seen? I, I wonder, my hunches, the brain might be working I, slightly I think you're probably right, but, uh, but they're, they're no longer a stranger. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, they know where you... Yeah. They, and also they can read about you. And yeah. they can see some stuff. But it, that's another thing about LinkedIn, where it comes back to job titles, because people put, you know, their name, and then they put their internal job title, yeah. which is important to them. Now, 
as human beings, we love to label things. We love to categorise things. Mm. Our brain works by categorising things. And so, you know, we categorise ourselves. When you go to a, a networking event and you, you meet someone for the first time, you go, hello, my name's Graham. What do you do? And they come back and say, I'm an accountant. I'm a lawyer. I'm a management consultant. In other words, they've labelled themselves so that they can categorise themselves and com- compare themselves with other people. Mm. And that's really important. But actually, to me as a recipient... The fact that they're an accountant is irrelevant. The fact that they might be somebody who can help me grow my business, whether they're an accountant or a management consultant, is irrelevant to me. The fact is, from my perspective, they're somebody who can help me grow their yes. business. But they don't say, hello, my name's Jack, I can help you grow your business. They go, hello, I'm Jack, I'm an accountant. And when we label ourselves on Facebook, we're doing exactly the same. Mm. We're saying, you know, Here's my job title, and actually, I don't need your job title in that headline under your name. I need to know what you're going to do for me. 100%. So here's your action. Go to your LinkedIn profile, have a look at how you describe yourself, particularly the first opening paragraph, yep. which is where you get to tell the world how great you are. <laughs> Does it? Is it about the customer? Does it say how you help the customer? And then and the other side of LinkedIn is have a look at the customer's LinkedIn profile. Yeah. If they use LinkedIn, they will notice that you've looked at their profile, which is not a bad thing. It shows you're serious. But also, the bit where they describe themselves, they will use language that they are comfortable with, and that will give you a very clear and deep insight into their personality profile. I'm a very detail-orientated, you know, if you read their profile, it will give you a strong insight into their personality preference and how they're likely how they're likely to behave. So you've read mm. them before you've even... It's your adaptive selling comment, isn't it? 100%, 100%. The words they use, achievement-orientated, results, you go, okay, driver, more driver, personality, high attention to detail, people-orientated, you know, they're all the forward-thinking, innovative. They'll be littered with code clue yeah. words of their personality. Yeah. And then you can sort of become more like them when you meet them. But I think that's really important, that both for whether it's you know a website or whether it's meeting people in the real world. What you're really talking about there is understanding that person and matching whatever you deliver to them to them, seeing everything from their perspective. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of failings that a lot of salespeople are taught an introduction, a 30-second sales pitch rather yeah. than this corporate <clears throat> sales pitch. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what scenario you're in, you go in and you deliver that. And that seems all very comfortable, but actually it works against you because you're, you're still in threat mode then for the for the recipient. So different introductions for different situations, yeah. uh, settle on the ones that work, settle on the ones that are really yeah. ourselves and clearly go down well with the customer. And then I think some generic might also be too obvious and common sense to mention, but let me just mention because I don't always see this if I'm going out with salespeople sometimes, is... Turn up on time, <laughs> so you can compose yourself properly before. Turn up early. Before, yeah, yeah turn up early. Have a look. Get in the foyer. Yes. Have a look. Read. Find out what's going on. Watch out. What's what's yeah. going. Sorry, on. I'm late. It's not the best start. It's isn't not it? the best. Yeah. Some, pe- some people are not bothered. Other people absolutely. Detest I think that's high impact disaster as opposed to high impact intro. Stand up in the foyer. If you look um, on TED, uh, the TED Talks, a yeah. Professor Amy Cuddy, or if you just look for Professor Amy Cuddy, power posing, yeah. standing up in a nice, confident posture for two minutes increases yeah. testosterone levels, make you feel more powerful. So you're also at eye level when the customer comes in. Yeah. Smile, 
is that obvious? Okay, well, if it's obvious, how come I sometimes go out with salespeople who look like the end of the world's about to arrive? <laughs> and then just nice, firm handshake. Hold your uh, briefcase or bag in the in your left hand. Shake hands with your right hand so it doesn't perspire yeah. on the handle of the bag. That's the first kinesthetic. And then, you know, just make that first positive seven-second impression. And you're off to a good, you're off to a good, a good start. Yeah, absolutely. So... First, first few seconds, you don't have long to make that impression. We know fantastic stuff from Graham about how people's brains are behaving when they're coming onto websites. And I guess the most important thing I'd leave you with as a thought about um, making your first positive impression is they won't buy your products and services until they've bought you. And yeah. the best way to get them to buy you is to make that first positive impression. It's very, very... Um, maybe simple stuff but it's often overlooked what's common sense as the cliche goes is not always common practice so give some thought to your introductions and uh, hopefully that'll get your sales call off to a very very positive start so that's been graham jones phil jesson and i'm simon hazeldean for saleschatshow.com thank you very much for listening You have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 